Welcome to the Unconventional Dyad Podcast, where you'll find broad topics, an unconventional dyad, and one shared goal. Educating ourselves through challenging and engaging conversations. Your hosts are Carly and Laura, two graduate students and friends committed to having discussions that are real, raw, and unpolished. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for episode 16 of the Unconventional Dyad podcast. Today, I speak with Marina Stant. Marina is a songwriter, musician, writer, world traveler, former teacher, and former recovery coach. We discuss several topics today. We talk about Marina's musical upbringing. Her father is a musician, and Marina has been playing ukulele, violin, and guitar for many years. We discuss improv in music, and Marina's experiences collaborating with other musicians and playing improv on violin. And we also talk about the power of storytelling and narrative, and how the narratives we create and internalize about ourselves, others, and our environment impact our thinking and functioning. We also talk about Marina's experiences living in other parts of the world and what we can all learn from other cultures. You will hear several of Marina's original songs throughout the episode today. In fact, you're hearing one of her songs right now. This is called Red Ban, and it will be played in its entirety later on in the episode, so stay tuned for that. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did, and as always, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for being here today. Marina, thanks so much for being with us on the Unconventional Dyad podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Laura. Absolutely. Why don't we start by talking about uh, a little bit about who you are? Can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Um, so it's so nice to be here. And I'm going to just talk a little bit about, let's see, I guess I'm going to start from the beginning a little bit. Um, so I am living in Indiana, and I was born in Indianapolis. Um, and then when I was about five years old, my family, my parents, my two brothers, we all moved up to, um, or down to South Central Indiana to a county called Brown County. Mm -hmm. Um, and we moved there because my grandpa had built these rental cabins. Um, and so we moved into one of those homes. And so we went from being in the city to being in this wooded, um, wooded area so the woods were our backyard there's like a creek at the bottom of the hill um and we lived in this house um and a big part of our lives is we were homeschooled Mm -hmm. i was i went to public school when i was in sixth grade so i was homeschooled up to that point and um from before i was born my parents were involved in the eastern orthodox christian church and they converted so they didn't have any affiliation with say like russian um, Orthodox mm-hmm. Christianity is like a conversion. <clears throat> um, so we went to church, a church called All Saints Orthodox Church in Bloomington, which is a town in Indiana that's about 30 minutes from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And it has the school, Indiana University. And that's where I went to get my four year degree. I ended up getting it in psychology. Nice. Um, yeah, I started as an English major. And then I ended up transferring into psychology, which was an interesting route. Um, And uh, yeah, so and then some other kind of personal identity things are um, I 
I've gotten to travel a lot. I've been really privileged to be able to go places in the world, um, like spending a year in the Republic of Georgia, um, as well as some other places like um, the UK. And um, where else have I been? Well, a couple other places, Turkey and China. My brother got married to a Chinese woman, and he lives in China with that, with her and his child. So oh, my wow. whole family went on this crazy, like, trip to China two winters ago, which is their summer, for my brother's wedding, which wow. was like a traditional Chinese wedding. It was <gasps> so bizarre That's and crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> like, it was awesome. We went to this, um, we, from, you know, they live in a really big metropolitan city. And then we flew from like in China to another small um, village in like Sichuan province where his wife is from Mm -hmm. and stayed in this hotel that was like had really hard beds. And um, we like smoked a million cigarettes (laughs) because they loved giving cigarettes as gifts to us. And, um, and it was really amazing. The people there, are so incredible, so hospitable, and they've got some really good noodles there. Nice, I bet. um, Peppercorns, yeah, Sichuan peppercorns, so good. So anyway, I'm going off on to travel now, but um, yeah, so a couple of my other personal identities are I'm female, I'm white, um, and I'm single. I identify as bisexual, um, and then I'm no longer Orthodox Christian in my faith, but faith is really important to me and um, prayer and connecting with a higher power and living a spirit led life is really the most important thing to me. Um, and then I am a writer. I play violin. I'm single. I identify as codependent and go to a really awesome 12 step group for that. And then right now I'm a server at Story in Bed and Breakfast, which is about 30 minutes away from Nashville, where I'm living. I'm back in my hometown, nice. um, Nashville in Brown County, Indiana. And yeah, I'm working there as a server. They have a really great weekend prefix menu with all kinds of fancy stuff like braised duck and some, you know, like a different menu every weekend. It's really fun. Wow. Very yeah, cool. Chef there is awesome. He's like an artist in the kitchen. Oh, that's awesome. It's really fun. Yeah. Cool. You have so many different identities. I feel like we could take this so many different places. Um, Yeah, so true. Yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about your music? It's it's really beautiful music, and you write all all of your own music, right? You're a songwriter. Um, Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, Yeah, so music has been kind of – it's kind of been – part of our family's narrative since I was little. Um, on my dad's side, music has been a really big deal. His, my dad's mom's dad, so my great-grandpa, was the dean of the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Oh, wow. um, and that's where my dad was born in Cincinnati. And then, um, so he, he was a dean, and then his wife was an opera singer. So my grandma and my great aunt, their twin sisters, they influenced music in us. Um, my great aunt taught me violin from the time I was five until I was 18. So every week I would, um, go over to her house and take violin lessons. I learned how to read music and also play piano. 
And um, my dad is also a musician. He's a folk singer, songwriter. So we, you know, were influenced by him a lot, listening to him play his songs, going to his gigs in town and elsewhere, and um, listening to his albums. He's record- recorded over seven albums now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that great? He's one of those people that always has ideas coming to him. And he can just... It just seems like the muse is with him all the time. Uh-huh. A little bit jealous. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> yeah, so um, when I was about 18, I wanted to kind of um, move away from classical violin. Mm-hmm. And I took some improv fiddle lessons from a really amazing um, fiddle. Uh, well, she's a gypsy jazz fiddle player. Her name is Carolyn Dutton. And she also lives in Brown County, um, but has played music like throughout the world she's pretty well known um and she kind of helped me to get outside of my comfort zone in terms of improv so being able to know which notes to play when Mm -hmm. I'm accompanying say like a a folk singer on guitar and voice Mm -hmm. knowing like where should I play where should I not what notes are in the scale that are appropriate to play which is so different from just reading music oh my gosh yeah yeah so she was like the person who really helped me branch out and then from there, I think around 2010, I started playing violin with a musician named Trish Savage, who is a good friend of mine. And we were in a little duo we called the Mary Stems. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we played together for a couple of years, and that was kind of my first experience really playing out um, and doing that style of just kind of improving and playing in the spaces between the words Um with a another musician so violin has kind of been my claim to fame in the community i've been playing a lot this year with a lot of different musicians um yeah it's been really fun um and then the other part of music that's important to me has been songwriting and i've been i've been writing songs here and there since i was like i think 16 was when i first started writing them Mm -hmm. and i didn't have a lot like for the last five years i've only had like three songs that i would play at like open mic nights Mm -hmm. but in the last year I've been focusing more on it and I I've written quite a few so it's been really great and um yeah I like writing songs um I see it kind of like poetry that I can then um use the guitar and voice to channel the words Mm -hmm. and the poems Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I my first love is definitely writing um and I love just writing poems and turning ideas into poems. It seems to be a coping skill for me to be Mm -hmm. able to turn any situation into something I can write. It kind of allows me to take myself out of a situation a little bit and I can put it down onto paper and I love it. Yeah. That's really wonderful. I'm so curious about improv, like in music. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds to me like that's, that would take a lot of courage to, to be able to do something like that. Yes, it was really scary at first. I remember when I was taking those lessons, um, she started teaching me with Carolyn Dunn. She would teach me about thirds. So um, I remember the first song I learned improv with was Gravity by John Mayer. Oh, wow. And yeah, so she would just have me play along with that song and pick out notes that I could do and little fills. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's taken years of really building confidence in and just improving. Um, and something really beautiful happened 
uh, over a year ago, the fall of 2019, um, I was at a, a thing called Victoria Fest, which is a musician friend of mine puts on a yearly kind of like music festival um, for people in the community, like his family and friends. Mm-hmm. And he's at a stage in the woods. And um, I was there with some friends. And at the end of the night, after all these performances, I got on stage with him. His name is Keenan Rainwater as well as Trish Savage, who was in town visiting. So we were all on stage together, and I just really was able to, like, flow with the music. Um, and I, I kind of created – that was the beginning of mine and Keenan's kind of musical collaboration, which has been going on for the past year. And um, he's got a whole group of different musicians. He's got live streams online, and there's several videos of me um, playing with different musicians – um, which is a lot of fun. You can see that through my face, like my musician Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that experience really changed um, something in me in being able to kind of let go and let the music flow. Mm-hmm. And it really made me realize how special it can be to really play when it's kind of moving through the heart. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been so powerful to be able to experience that. And it kind of reminds me of, yeah. you know, you said you're a spiritual person. Um, I wondered if you saw that event as a spiritual kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I think so in a way, definitely. Um, I think it's it's always hard sometimes to have that sense of gratitude in a moment. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it really, it, on some spiritual level, yeah, it was like, okay, I now have this new ability or this is like a gift that's been given to me. And it's so incredible because it is spirit. I mean, being it, like getting out of my head and being mm-hmm. able to just play the music without thinking about like, okay, what note do I play next? Yeah. Like what is the best sound right here? Like what is going to make me sound good? Like getting out of my ego, mm-hmm. it's totally spirit. It's just like an opening somehow. And you're yeah. just like, okay, now I'm open. And then like the beauty like comes in. Wow. Yeah. It's so amazing. And then it's fun to listen back and be like, oh, I remember those parts I was playing. And yeah, it's like little, it's like candy. Yeah. Like, and it's cool too, because it's been recorded. Like, right. Because you know, yeah, he does videos and really good. Like he has really good audio and visual equipment. So it's been really fun getting to like, have all that footage. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely include links to your pages, your SoundCloud and your Facebook musician page Great. so listeners yeah. can go back yeah, and look listen- at those. Yeah, listeners can see learn more about Rainwater Studios and the live streams that he does every week. They're they're really great. Very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about yeah. some of your songs? I know you said so we're going to play some of your songs for our listeners. And yes. I would love for you to maybe talk about some of the ones that stand out to you. Sure. Um, so uh, the first song I wanted to play is a song I wrote about, um, I guess it was one, like about two years ago. Um, and it was one of those times when the song just like all came out of me in one go pretty much. And then I did a little edits. But I was like, this is awesome. It's awesome and it's easy. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually wrote it on ukulele, but now I play it on guitar because I've moved back to playing guitar mainly. And it's called Red Van, and it's a song about my family. It's kind of a narrative going from my experience as a little kid living in Brown County, 
feeding the deer in the backyard or attempting to. Mm-hmm. And then um, kind of moving up towards how our religion played a role in our lives. And then my teenage years, which were really challenging, there was like a lot of drugs and um, just kind of like weird stuff going on. There was some dysfunctional stuff, mm-hmm. growing pains and depression that I went through as a teenager which I think is really common mm-hmm. for people. Um, so it goes to that, and then it kind of brings us to the present of what our family is like now. And it's kind of um, comical. I tend to be kind of, like, humorous in my music, um, but it's also kind of heavy because it's like, here's here's a story of our dysfunctional family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I'll go ahead and um, we can put that on. Yep, let's take a listen. I didn't connect well in school because I was homeschooled. Put carrots in the yard for the deer, but they never ate them. Play in my room with my teddy bears, we talk for hours. My brother, he would chase me around downstairs. You know, a family, it's meant to be crazy and insane. We drive to church on Sundays in our red van. My brother and dad, they would fight about religion. And when we get rowdy, he pulled a van over yell profanities. But we just laugh, say it's fine, dad. At least we'll be a couple minutes late to church. We were a family, not so great at connecting all of the time. Silence and music to pass the time. We were a family, there's none like ours. We'd smoke pot on Friday nights in our basement. Parents, they were sleeping up in their bedroom. Around a campfire, I tried my first vodka with OJ. And it reminded me of my mom's homeopathic remedy. We were a family, not so great at connecting all of the time. silence and music to pass the time we were family there's none like ours now dad drinks vodka to go to sleep and mom joined AA our family cat named Max he finally died from old age the tree across the creek we used to climb on it has decayed 
sometimes feels like nothing ever changes. We were a family, not so great at connecting all of the time. We used humor to cut through the silence and music to pass the time. We are a family, and though we grow and older, we still got these memories. I really, really like that song a lot. I, I feel like it's so honest and raw and vulnerable, and I find a lot of your music to be that way. Thank you. I think that those are definitely descriptor words that I'm attempting to have. Yeah. Um, I think if I'm going to be playing music, it's important for me to um, <clears throat> to be like real mm-hmm. and letting music be kind of like a channel of healing and understanding between people yeah um and people's experiences um let's see yeah and i recorded that as well as the other songs you'll hear um i recorded that using an app called spire mm-hmm. and i use it on my phone and it allows me to record up to eight tracks at once this is not an advertisement for spire I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like and our sponsor is yeah but it's really great and fun for anyone who wants to play around music because like I was able to lay down I think in that I don't remember what I um all I put on that but I have harmonies in there um which is just me Mm -hmm. doing different tracks it's a lot of fun that's awesome yeah thank you yeah Yeah. that song means definitely means a lot to me and I kind of feel like moldy peaches was a little Mm. bit of an inspiration in a way that kind of like um and also bright eyes yes i see both of those yeah anyway i felt like bright eyes was somewhat of an influence as well Mm -hmm. for that song just like kind of like simple style yeah yeah i can definitely hear that yeah um yeah yeah what about some of your other songs yeah um so i um i have a a song that i actually took from something i wrote um and this song is actually spoken word because it has a lot of words in it. So mm-hmm. I just decided to do it as a spoken word song um, with a harmony line that I sing. And um, this kind of goes back to one thing that I've struggled with a lot, which is relationships mm-hmm. and um, relationship anxiety and anxiety in general. And so this song is called In Between the Writing. And for me, writing kind of represents... When I'm writing, it's kind of like I'm being true to myself. I'm in a, I'm experiencing like really loving myself and giving myself space to be true to myself through writing, especially like journaling. Yeah. And so, um, the song is kind of about the experience of being in a state of anxiety where there's emotional pain and there's just a lot of really harmful beliefs going on Mm -hmm. and how that can feel and how that like a week in the life of being stuck in anxiety like how that is experienced in like in this instance like in an apartment like Mm -hmm. okay I'm not doing my dishes and Mm -hmm. now it's like you know it's just not not feeling great and then those moments when we do come back to ourselves even when it can be painful to recognize certain truths there's always that time it seems like that the body and the heart it they it's like it brings us back to ourselves mm-hmm. um and so that's what that song is about <laughs> 
So we can have a listen. Yeah. What is the space in between the time that a writer is writing? The time when the ideas won't flow? Is that when the heart is closed? A lover enters your life and suddenly you start to write. Words like bubblegum burst from his smiling eyes, meet your mind, but the lover drifts away from sight, so you desperately crave different people to fill the haze. They come to mind on a factory line. Imagine futures with them feel so dull and deadly in comparison with the flame of his infatuation, the one who broke you of your chains. So you abuse the thought of him for too long, and it's like an ache in your heart, too strong, addicted to his smiling eyes, cut like razors too deep. You look away, your heart dehydrated, needing your own drink to quench your thirst. And then your stomach starts to soften, and your neck rests intertwined, and your white spine. These are the times in between the lover haunts you and you're trapped in the train of thought drip of dopamine every moment he is sought tightness going to your gut getting hit with a thought of him holding you in bed him caressing your neck walking through a door where you both might live you concentrate to remember that he gave you through his eyes showing you you're alive that no one else knows you like he does that stranger who in a glimpse became your all-knowing angel it drains you, and you wake up unrested, detesting the state of your body, the smell of your sheets, the bugs around the sink, only tap water to drink. Why can't you get out of this mental pain? It's physical and your heart muscle, palpable, tightness, but cosmic lightness when he's drawn to mind. You long for distraction, pour a glass of wine at noon, cancel plans with a friend, and go back to bed, your teeth stained red. And then your stomach starts to soften, Noticing mold on the wall, the bug graveyard, but free place to live measures this apartment as luxury. Time to sleep, your future now doesn't matter. Consumed with fear of the lack of someone, noticing that the kitchen table seats one. All your habits are seen only by you, and you love the secrecy, living so messy when you're too depressed to clean. Would it be different if there was someone to see? And then your stomach starts to soften, and your neck rests
Yeah, so what strikes me about this song, Marina, a lot of things strike me about it, and I'm going to come back to talking about it when we um, discuss storytelling later, because I know that was a topic you want to talk about. But um, what really strikes me is that, so this is called In Between the Writing? Yes. And you were talking also, the way you described uh, improv violin playing, you kind of said something earlier about um, you know, playing in between the vocalist singing. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm really Laura, struck by that. that. Oh, wow, that's a really, that's such a beautiful image. It is. So, yeah, in between the writing, which is what the violin is doing. Right. Too. It's almost a, allowing space. Yes. Oh, that's great. I feel like that image could be really played up in so many different ways. I agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. yeah, it's just such a beautiful idea to like, you know, kind of find ways to move in between these spaces um, mm-hmm. or to fill these spaces when you get a chance. Um, that's just yeah. really beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Like, it kind of reminds me of mindfulness and meditation too. Yeah. And um, yeah, which can be so challenging to do. I was Absolutely. just... Um, I just downloaded an app on, or it's actually, yeah, it's on my phone, and it's called Allo Moves, A-L-O Moves, and it's got all these awesome um, yoga videos and meditation videos, so this morning I was, I've got a yoga mat in here, and I was practicing one of those meditations, and it was a hard one, uh, trying to remember to, like, focus on breathing, but yeah, that's another thing it reminds me of, is just that, like, Allowing space, like, yeah, and, um, yeah, that's really cool. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. What about, um, there's another song that you wanted to play for the listeners called, is it My Muse? Yeah, it's called My Muse. Um, Yeah, so My Muse was a song I wrote um, when I was living in the Republic of Georgia, Um, and I lived there for about a year. Um, in a program called Teach and Learn with Georgia from 2015 to 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so when I was there, I was in my early 20s and I was like very boy crazy. I definitely have had to kind of work through like accepting some of my experiences, mm-hmm. um, putting myself in situations. Um, it's always like weird in retrospect thinking about things you did, but. One thing I did was I met this um, this dancer in the town, and I urge everyone to YouTube like traditional Georgian dancing because it's amazing. It's um, very acrobatic, and there's a lot of theater. And each region of Georgia has its own traditional dancing. So each dance is like a story. There's one that is like um, so. There's the there's like the music for each. Um, story and then there's the dance for each story and there's one that couples will learn for their wedding in Georgia Mm -hmm. because it's like a male-female love dance Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's some up in the mountains like the mountainous people wear these kind of funny looking like shepherd hats I'm not sure what they're called Um, and they're like fighting in the the dance they got these like swords and they're like jumping around and doing they have to be they're so strong um And so there's this in this town where I was living with a host family for a year. 
there was like a troop of dancers and I met some people and I think I was kind of like the, I was so privileged being in that town. The people are some of the most warm people I've ever met. So giving to me, so welcoming. They, you know, they wanted to include me in everything in their community. Um, and I owe them so much. Like how many people invited me in for some, like espresso coffee mm-hmm. or just asked me about my life um, in Georgian, which I like tried to speak a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this dance troupe there. And so I got to go up and see their practices. And there was this guy and he was like gorgeous and like the, one of the star dancers. Mm-hmm. And then so like my neighbor was friends with him. And so we had this little like weird romance where my neighbors, my neighbor, was like you should you know meet him and go on a date or something just really silly and so like I remember we met in this other town at a park um and he was really nervous around me and we just like drove the marshutka which is a bus uh-huh. like the public bus we just like drove it back to our town sitting <laughs> together like not talking for like like an hour and I would like try and like do small talk in Georgian and I don't know. I, I still feel like so weird about the whole thing, but we did hang out and we were just friends. And, um, but it was like this weird pressurized, like romantic mm-hmm. situation with this guy. And, um, so anyway, so I ended up writing the song inspired by him. Um, and so it's a really silly song, but the chord progression was inspired by, um, some chords that I learned by t- taking some guitar lessons while I was actually there. So, during that year, there was a, a guitar teacher in town, and I took some lessons and learned, like, three traditional Georgian folk songs, wow. which is so cool. Like, I still have the journal where my teacher wrote down the chords, and, and mm-hmm. I I could write the whole language. So, I like, all the songs are in Georgian, and I'm just so proud of that. And Georgia is so close to my heart. It's like a second home, and I, I really want to go back and visit soon, but... Um, yeah, so this song is called My Muse, and um, we can listen to it. Taking a stroll in old Soviet Georgia, who do I see? It's that village dancer boy walking up to me. He takes my hand, and I start to sing. into my life the smell of spring blowing in your hair and your blue sky eyes your strawberry smile and my heart thumping all the while I 
cotton shirt could be spun by the gods On you it's like satin worthy of applause Your big long nose it is blowing my whistle And baby you can blow my whistle anytime but that language of yours I can't understand Words is foreign as Shakespeare's prose So don't say a word It ruins the mood Just teach me the language of your tongue But you know that I am just a broken down piano Played by too many hands When you're touching that key You'll see there ain't no melody But you've got the Yeah, I really like that song too. I think it's so, um, it's kind of carefree and almost innocent in the way it describes, yeah. you know, like a first love or a first infatuation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's definitely very silly and like a lot of like sexual undertones, but in a very innocent way. Yeah. No, and... I love it. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. I love it too. It's been a really fun one to play and it often gets a crowd reaction, which yes. is fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually playing, um, right now I'm playing with my dad. My dad is um, playing with another musician right now. They're called, they're calling themselves Stant and Moore. So Lou Stant and then Kurt Curtis Moore is his musical partner right now. Nice. And so I'm playing with them some. And we're actually working out that song, like an arrangement wow. of all three of us. So. Yeah, it's really neat. They're both really good guitar players. Uh-huh. So um, they're they're playing guitar, and then I'm singing it, and then I'm able to fill in with violin. So Very it has cool. been. Yeah, it's fun to be able to actually do some violin with my own songs. Yeah, what's it like to play your own music with your dad? Um, I think that one thing that I've heard from so many musicians that I'm trying to take in is this idea of once you write something and you kind of release it. Mm -hmm. And so since I'm playing with other musicians and playing with them, um, I'm trying, I'm just allowing it to be what it is with the three of us. Mm -hmm. So it's like a certain new energy of a song. And, um, it's really, it's really fun. And they are such good guitar players and, uh, they're, they can both play like jazzy, a jazzy sound. And, like Kurt, the first time he started playing it, he like figured out a different way to do the the C instead of like the C, or I'm sorry, instead of the F7, it's like F with the fifth or something mm-hmm. that I don't understand. And <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, you just transformed it. It's so amazing now. So it's so fun to have different people come in and kind of create something new. Yeah. It's, which is, it's so amazing how that happens in life, even just p- different people's energies 
forming, you know, even in a conversation, it creates something new every time. And it's kind of the same with music. Definitely agree. Yeah, it is very cool. It's almost like your art gets a new life each time that you are able to collaborate on it with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you you can relate too because you've recorded some of your music. Yeah, and it, it does feel very different. Like I've recorded on my own and then I've also recorded in a studio and it's it's really different. I think you're right. The energy that different people bring to it is really interesting Um, Mm -hmm. and it's cool to get other people's perspectives and other people's ideas on how to make a song sound a certain way Um, yeah yeah I really like the collaboration aspect of music yeah me too it is such a interesting world because there's both the spiritual aspect and Mm -hmm. the professional aspect so Mm -hmm. figuring out how to have boundaries right decide who you want to work with figure out when like a collaboration collaboration is working versus maybe not working right and then there's so many different aspects that come into the creative process as well as the whole you know having your professional identity as well definitely yeah Yeah. it's it's a hard balance to strike definitely I yeah I think it's one of those things for me where I'm really trying to be like spirit forward Mm -hmm. if I can I think I just made that up but you know just being like okay I'm gonna put this out there that I'm looking for musicians to collaborate which I am right now Mm -hmm. um and also take some steps but right now with COVID um it's so much different um oh my gosh I bet you know yeah I haven't done a open mic night in like almost a year now yeah and um and that's um it's been so great with all the live streaming going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have done some musical ensembles with people still, but you know, it's different not being able to go do live or, um, open mic nights. Cause I used to do that a lot. Yes. And I'm excited for when I get to do that again. Cause I think I've got so many new songs. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Have you been writing like, a lot in quarantine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've in the last two months, I've written like four songs. Nice. And, which for me is a lot. It's not a lot for everyone, but um, yeah, I mean, I would say over the last year, there's been like a lot of music mm-hmm. being written. It's been really awesome. And I think that's partly because um, I quit my job at Centerstone where I was working as a recovery coach mm-hmm. um, in May. And so I was in the, um, the social work field for two and a half years. And then I quit in May and um now that I'm in this kind of transitional phase where I'm just working as a server, I have a little bit more time to do music and mm-hmm. I'm, but I'm more focused on it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's allowing me to, you know, have more stuff coming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned writing a few times and I know you identify as a writer first. Can we talk a little bit about storytelling and narrative? You have some really interesting ideas about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, when it comes to storytelling and narrative, um, it's such a jumbled mess in my mind because there's so many little things that I love about, um, storytelling. I, that I don't have a huge wealth of knowledge about any of them. For example, like, um, once I saw a really great oral storyteller who, um, was actually, Eastern Orthodox Christian, Mm -hmm. and he lived in Alaska with um, some uh, First Nations folks up there, Mm -hmm. and I might be using that um, verbiage incorrectly, Um, but 
he spoke about a lot of the lessons that those people had in their culture to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and I, it kind of reminded me in some ways of, of Georgia and the folk tales and just different traditions that are held onto there. And um, I just feel such a passion for um, kind of storytelling coming back into our culture. And when I say that, it's like, Storytelling is in our culture. It's just what stories are we telling? Mm. Um, and what can we learn from the past, but also gain from the new, you know, kind of the new revolution of storytelling? Because yeah. I feel like we're moving so much in in so many ways, like in really positive directions right now mm-hmm. in terms of really people feeling allowed to really like be who they are. Yeah. And there's so much healing that seems to be going on right now. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. I just got I mean, chills when you said, you know, what stories are we telling? Cause that's such a good question. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, cause it's, it's everywhere. Like with the media and then advertising is a big one. That was one big thing I learned being in Georgia was there wasn't advertising everywhere. Mm-hmm. It felt like, we were part of a community, but it didn't feel like there was like this, like this, like advertising hand, like right there in the town, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. except for like the sodas, like whatever, like drinks, you know, like Coca-Cola, except it was probably different. They had awesome soda in Georgia. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. They had like the best drinks. Like they had like a pear drink. It was depending on the brand. Oh, and they have lemon Fanta over there. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what the heck, USA? No lemon <laughs> Fanta to be found. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, I mean, I think, um, and then in terms of storytelling, another thing that taught me a lot was um, learning about Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. Do you know Joseph Campbell? I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he's a mythologist, um, and he writes about the hero's journey mm-hmm. and um yeah it really helped me to learn about um so I guess one part of my life that um when I was I was living in California doing AmeriCorps and I was going through some challenges with my um religion of origin and figuring out how um how it worked for me what was working for me and what wasn't working for me within mm-hmm. that religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read about Joseph Campbell and it really helped me to kind of externalize a lot of issues I had with the church mm-hmm. because I was able to see how the rituals and the stories that are being like enacted within, for example, the divine liturgy yeah. Um, with all due respect to that ritual, because it is so beautiful and so powerful and moving. Um, but it allowed me to kind of not feel it, it was like I could externalize to someone and be like, oh, and now I see what is going on from a different lens. Now I see how these stories are, um, you know, kind of like fables mm-hmm. that are teaching people certain life lessons and things like that. Mm-hmm. When I felt really stuck in, um, I think I felt like I had to believe a certain way. Yeah. But, and then I was wrong for questioning it. Or I felt like 
if I saw something or like, yeah, it was like, I felt like I had to be like in line with a certain type of beliefs, but yeah, it was, it really helped to free me and really see the Christ narrative that is everywhere and how that is also a spiritual reality Mm -hmm. of that. My favorite icon in the Orthodox church is, um, the image of Jesus and he's in white and he's just, um, like basically died and he's like reaching his hand down to Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. in the, uh, in hell and pulling them up. And, um, I had this experience when I was in California where I was feeling really depressed. Um, and I, I was just kind of like really miserable and I was crying and I was, felt like I was seeing a lot of darkness and I felt like I was going to this really dark place internally. Um, and this is like within, not like over a long period of time, but like in a moment. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to, um, while in that darkness, reach out or call out for, for light. Mm -hmm. And I experienced this light coming in and just really, um, taking the pain away and that experience as I was experiencing it, I realized like, okay, this is like the spiritual reality for me Mm -hmm. of what that icon means. And then Mm -hmm. what this Christ idea means, like this is the light that penetrates the darkness. And then that theme is, you know, to me so powerful and kind of all over the world. Yeah. It springs up. That Um, resurrection theme. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, I think learning more about like the whole theme of storytelling and Joseph Campbell was really important for me. And then also just, um, writing for me is really therapeutic. I like to journal and I've always journaled. I've got like boxes of journals, actually a recent project I had, I had an idea for, um, was like looking through my old journals and finding different poems mm-hmm. and then trying to turn those into songs. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's kind of what I did with the, in between the writing, but it's, it's, it was really heavy. I took like a whole shoebox full of my old journals and brought them from my parents' house to my apartment. And I was looking through them. I was like, this is so heavy. <laughs> like, that yeah. like years of just like dealing with darkness and depression and, um, and also good things. But, for many years, I think when I was writing was when I was really struggling and mm-hmm. it's hard to be sitting in a room like with my like literal baggage. Yeah. 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 It's it's really cool how you're able to look over those stories now, though, like those stories are still out there somewhere. Maybe they're not your current experience, but you can mm. look back on them and reread them. Um, and that's kind of yeah. what what stuck out to me about your song in between the writing. Um, when you there's a line in your song where you say something like and correct me if it's wrong, but where you say something yeah. like, you know, how would this be different um, if someone if there was somebody here to mm-hmm. see it, can you correct yeah. me? What's that line? Yeah. Um, would it be different if there was someone to see? Yeah. 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 And that, that really just makes me think of storytelling because I think, so I, I also identify as a writer. I like to write fiction and I, I think about <laughs> what it means to write fiction and really to me, if I don't have witnesses to the story, readers who are going to 
take that story and do with it what they will. To me, it's like, doesn't does that story even really exist anywhere outside of myself? No. Um, So it's there's this interesting aspect to storytelling where we need people to witness that story. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. There's that healing happening through the witness. Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Yeah. Compliment. But yeah, I think that is really interesting too because in that song, it was definitely not intended. It was mean that but after you say that it really um it makes a lot of sense yeah Mm -hmm. it's like yeah something changes when there's a witness yeah and a connection uh man definitely i mean that's so deep too it is it is and i know you and i have talked about therapy before and how storytelling and narrative kind of play into therapy i was wondering if you want to share some of your thoughts on that sure um yeah, okay, so I have been a recipient of therapy off and on since I was um, 18, mm-hmm. and then um, I've really benefited from it when there's been a good connection with a therapist and when I was, like, willing to go into stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also been able to, like, be a recovery coach, so I was never a therapist, but I was going to do some therapeutic type mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I feel like storytelling, once again, is everything. What purpose do we have in our life? What story do we have about who we are and our identity? Yeah. And when we don't have a strong one or if our story is negative about ourselves, then mm-hmm. we're stuck in a bunch of lies. Yeah. And it leads to depression and anxiety and um, hopelessness. Um, and I think I have somewhat of an ideological idealized view of um what we can learn from like tribal communities Mm -hmm. um and again i say this is idealized because i have not done all the research i could sure and i know that i it's kind of like a fantasy in my mind but i feel like you know having a sense of who we are in our community in our culture and throughout the different phases of our life from you know our different rites of passage are um, so important. Mm-hmm. And when I was working at Centerstone, um, I saw a, um, some people were able to jump into a, a new narrative. Mm-hmm. For example, um, Christianity um, and recovery communities within Christianity were so healing yeah. for so many people. And it really helped them anchor in their spirituality and have hope. And the virtues started to come back into their lives. And then, um, and that's a word I'm using, virtues, which I think is a really loaded word, mm-hmm. uh, meaning hope and faith and, um, like, the good feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and then also, like, the 12-step program is definitely not for everybody, but for some, it can be a really healing narrative to take a hold of, um, something outside of ourselves yeah. that we can say, okay, I'm, I've got this thing and it's my anchor. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think that that is something that is um, so vital and important, and, and in some ways lost. Yeah. Maybe in in some ways, um, and and sometimes it's not always good to hold on to a narrative, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if it gives us an identity. You know, ultimately, that's the thing. Is like, okay, what stories are they telling us, and and what narrative? Like uh, a good friend of mine who is brilliant. Um, 
he told me about how this interesting thing of every narrative, when you attach yourself to a narrative, there's always an enemy. So there's a protagonist, Mm. you're the hero, and then, but what is the antagonist and who is that? And that's the scary thing about narratives and attaching ourselves to ideologies is that there's always, there always has to be an, an enemy. Wow. And so, um, what I learned about, which I still don't understand and know very much about again, is how, um, like if, if we're living within nature mm-hmm. and nature is our, is our narrative mm-hmm. where it's like, we're not living in a narrative that we create in our mind. It's like the narrative of nature, the one that's already here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then we don't have human enemies potentially yeah. unless there's, you know, I don't know. That's just my, my idealized notion that we can learn so much from mm-hmm. going back to nature, which I think is true. Oh, but, I agree but I guess with it's you. like, yeah, it's just yeah. like, how do we do that in our lives right now? Yeah. In our communities, in our society. And a lot of people have different answers and I do not have the answers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, that's so true. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And yeah, it is really hard. I think to be honest with you, the one good thing that came out of COVID for me was the fact that I was able to spend more time in nature. Um, which I was so, I, I was so disconnected from nature before COVID. And then once I was forced to stay at home and I got a dog and, you know, I had to take him on walks. Yeah. Like the walks with him have really, um, just put me in the present moment. And I, I'm noticing things that I kind of ignored before, like birds chirping, you know, clouds moving in the sky. Um, so that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally, it's so easy to get shut out from that. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. let's, let's talk about travel a little bit, because you mentioned you've been to the Republic of Georgia, you've been to China, you've been to a bunch of different places. Um, tell us about traveling and how that's shown up in your life, how that's impacted you. Okay. So, um, as a kid, my parents... Um, instilled in me and my brothers a love of travel. My mom went to India when she was in her early 20s in Australia, and my dad traveled around Europe. And I think that has been something we've been really privileged in, um, getting to – I had experience where I could save up money when I was younger, living with my parents, and then take a trip Mm -hmm. to another place. Um, So – one really cool thing of how travel started for me was I had this connection with the Netherlands. So my uh, best friend when I was about five years old, when we were living in Indianapolis, was named Mary. And she lived in, she moved to the Netherlands with her um, family when we were like that old. And then we would write letters back and forth. Uh-huh. And I always told her, I'm going to come see you when I'm 18. <laughs> and so I feel like there was some weird, like, manifestation from, like, my entire <laughs> life. I was like, I'm going to go to this, this girl. And then um, twice through my, like, at the age of 12 and then maybe 14, my dad has a good friend who is Dutch. And this is re- unrelated to, like, my old best friend. Mm-hmm. And um, his name is Jan Donker. And they have two girls who are about our age, um, like my age. And so they came to America two different times on vacation and stayed near us, and we all hung out. So I was really good friends with these two 
Dutch girls and their parents. Nice. So I saved up money as a senior in high school working as like a busser at the Hobnob Corner Restaurant and in Nashville. And um, then I saved up all this money and I bought a plane ticket to go to the Netherlands to see this family for two weeks. And while I was a senior in high school, I met this girl who was my locker buddy. And she was an exchange student from Georgia. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we became friends. And I was telling her about my trip to the Netherlands. And she said, you should come to Georgia mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now I would have been like, that's crazy. But at the time, I was like, that makes perfect sense. I'll just, <laughs> you know, like go to the Netherlands for two weeks. And then I'll get on another flight and go to Georgia. Wow. So that's what I did. And it was so amazing. I um, I have a really good family friend named Tamara, and she is amazing. She had all these freaking flyer my, miles. She's travel, she'll travel around the world for her job, and she was a really big influence on me growing up. Um, and this was the like most selfless thing. Before I went on my trip, like a couple months before leaving on like my first solo trip, like across the sea, mm-hmm. she used her frequent flyer miles, and we took a plane from like Indianapolis to Chicago and then we went from Chicago to I don't know Michigan or something just like basically staying in the airports and then back and so that I could learn how to travel oh wow yeah and so like I remember we flew together and then we got to the airport in Chicago and as we were she was like all right now you and me are going to separate and you have to like go through security and everything on your own and get to the air, like the next airplane mm. terminal. And I remember being so freaked out. Yeah. But I, but I did it. And she was so amazing. I can't believe she still, I'm just like in awe that she would spend that kind of time yeah. and money for me in that way. She's really been an amazing influence and we're still friends now. Um, but yeah, so I spent that month going from the Netherlands for two weeks. And when we were there, we took a train to Paris which is amazing to see Paris Mm -hmm. and we went camping there in Paris, which is really random. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that family is incredible. We actually just zoomed like a couple weeks ago and we're still really close. Um, and it was funny too, because after I got back from that trip, I went to, um, IU and I took Dutch. So I learned Dutch language. Very cool. Um, and that was really fun. Yeah. And then, yeah. And so then after college, I did the teach and learn with Georgia program where I like taught English um, in an elementary school in Georgia and lived with the host family mm-hmm. and learned the language roughly like conversational. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and living in Georgia really changed my life. Um, I really saw the way that life is different in different places. I felt like yeah. the way Georgia is now reminds me of how maybe the U.S. was like on over a hundred years ago now, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. around that time. You know, like there's like everyone has outdoor plumbing mm-hmm. yep. and like squatty potties. Yeah, not everyone, but many people. But they're so hospitable. Those people in Georgia. That's one of their claims to fame is. Georgians are known for the hospitality wow. and their wine and their mountains mm-hmm. and their music and dance. And, um, it, um, yeah, being there just made me like see how, 
how real life can be when you're you're not bombarded with I don't know there's artificiality Mm -hmm. that I feel like is more present here Um, and also people live there a lot more closely in community yeah um you know you know all your neighbors and your neighbors like babysit your kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's just you know it's so different here there's a sense of like isolation definitely yeah georgia was amazing it was definitely harder hard to see certain things that go on there and so there's a lot of things we're fortunate to have here like for example like humane societies mm-hmm. and things like that right um yeah but um so the last month or so when I was in Georgia, I, um, I made this like homemade documentary and it's called into the heart of Sacratuelo. Um, Sacratuelo is the name of Georgia in Georgian. Oh, cool. And it's a documentary that highlights some different, um, dancers, including the dancer who that song is about. He's in that. Nice. The famous dancer, the muse. Yeah, the famous dancer. (laughs) I really did sing him that song too. Oh, you did. Yeah, and then later I wrote the line that was like, it was like, you kissed me one time, and then I sang you the song, but you had no idea what that it was about you. Oh, that's, that's hilarious! Like, really happened. <laughs> so, funny. did he not speak English? Yeah, he did not speak English. Okay, okay, so like he had no all. idea that song was about him. Yeah, he did not know it was about him. Maybe like I tried to like explain it, but <laughs> you know how it goes. It's like lost in translation. Right, like, right. Uh huh. Uh huh. And you're like, you have no idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we'll include a link to that documentary as well in the show notes. Um, Yeah. To see him, I think he's in, when if I made it, um, it's in three different parts on YouTube. Okay. I think he's on the third part. Nice. But you have, I shouldn't have said that. I've been like, (laughs) you should watch all of it. You'll be surprised. Yeah. There's this amazing um, musicians. And that's one thing that parallels being in the artistic and musical community in Brown County mm-hmm. is seeing all these gems of like artists who are in small communities. Yeah. Don't, they don't have the fame that national names have people you hear on the radio and see, you know, shows of that's so amazing. But the other thing is that in these small towns and communities, there are like, there's so much talent Mm-hmm. And I think that that is so important to really like foster our own communities and Definitely. the art that's coming out of them. Yeah. And that I saw a lot in Georgia, just within that small town of Baghdati where I lived. Mm-hmm. There was so much talent. And you'll definitely see that in the documentary. Very cool. I love that you're trying to basically recreate the same thing in your small town or at least tap Mm -hmm. into the same thing in your small town with all the musicians you collaborate with absolutely every time you know like when you travel somewhere or maybe you don't know this but there's like a certain like feeling you get Mm -hmm. like an intangible feeling of like a place or smell Mm -hmm. or like just like the vibe of being in a different place yes every now and then i will like there's that whole vibe of being in Georgia, like, the, like just the thought of, like, that whole experience. And every now and then, I'll be in some situation. It's, like, uh, my friend Dan, who is a good friend, um, he's an older man, and I'll sit in, well, before COVID, I would sit in his kitchen with him while he, like, smokes cigarettes, which he shouldn't be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
and like it was his parents kitchen and home before and there's some I get that same feeling of being in Georgia like it's just so raw it's like okay we're just two people sitting in a kitchen Mm -hmm. maybe like his friend will come over and we'll just sit there and have a conversation without it's like almost that feeling of just being with others like we don't have to do anything we can just sit here and be present and that's one thing I loved about Georgia and they even have um a name for basically sitting and doing nothing, which is a birja. A birja is basically like old ladies sitting on benches <laughs> outside yeah. homes, just like hanging out and like eating sunflower seeds. That's so funny. Yeah, I yeah. I relate to that so much because, as you know, I'm from yeah. Romania, and Romania sounds like it's very similar to Georgia in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I figured you would be able to relate to yeah. that. Yeah, we also had, like, my grandparents used to sit on the front porch and eat sunflower seeds all the time. That's just, so funny. Yeah. I miss awesome. that. I, yeah, it's fun. It's There's yeah. a certain kind of peace that comes with that. Yes. With that just being, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, yeah. I They're pros with the sunflower seeds, too. Yes, they are. <laughs> like, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not they're, like, cutting it open in their mouth. Right, right. Just, like, pull the peel out. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, Marina, yeah. I have so enjoyed talking to you today. I do have one more question for you, and we ask all of our right. guests this question. So this podcast is about learning and about educating ourselves. So with that in mind, can you share one lesson that you learned this year and how that lesson has impacted you? Um, okay, sure. I really enjoy this too so much, Laura. Um, I think one thing I've learned is um, how to, um, with the help of a really good friend, like a soul sister, um, how to not always feel like my past is rooted into me. Mm. Um, That certain roots that used to keep me down, certain narratives I used to hold on to about my life, they still come up. Like, they're still repeating in my mind, but there's another narrative now that allows me to not take all those negative narratives so seriously Mm -hmm. um, and realize that, you know, I'm looking ahead to my future and um, I don't have to, I don't have to grab on and take hold of, of things that aren't hurt, aren't good for me or aren't Mm -hmm. really helping me in my life. Um, So I just feel really grateful. Like I've been able to have like cultivate more peace. Um, And in terms of our, you know, um, in our country, I think that one thing I'm learning is how much I have to learn mm-hmm. and how much I don't understand still. Yeah. And that it takes a lot of courage to actually start to learn yes. what I don't know. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Marina, for, for everything so well you shared done. today, for all your beautiful music, your wisdom, your thoughts. Thank you. You as well, Laura. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having this amazing podcast. How long could this last? Feels like this love came and went so fast. Like a ghost that's drifting through my soul. No longer calling this body home All the time that we spent together
dreams we had The unspoken fantasy of life together It's drifted out of my head How long could this last? Feels like this love came and went so fast could have been the love of my lifetime Oh heart, why can't you stay blind? And I still tell you how I'm feeling to love The truth will set me free You'll have sadness in your eyes I've never seen before as you're walking Like a ghost drifted through